This is the time that we all been waiting on. The moment all the naysayers been hating on. See, they've been talking down on us and flexing. It'll take more than that for you to stop a Houston Texan. A lot of teams talking tough and can't back it up. But not the boys on Kirby, so you can pack it up. Reliant Stadium is where you can find us with the whole city of Houston, Texas standing behind us. See, we've been waiting on this one for 10 years. All right, guys, welcome back to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am young Ari Gold, and as usual, I am joined by my co-host and friend, the Garnet Texan, John Wayne. John? How's it going? There's nothing going on. Uh, well, yeah. There's nothing going on. Not really. They're about to start. I mean, rookie media camp Yeah, they're about to start. OTAs. OTAs, but what can you say? Not too much. Yeah, no. It's not like last year with our, I mean, not having a first or a second round pick really took a lot of the buzz out of um, rookie minicamp. Well, not having a quarterback. I mean, last year we were all yeah, last out. Year, yeah. This last year, year was so different. It's like, okay, so Justin Reed's good. Yeah. That's what we found out. Justin Reed is good. And in rookie camp was the star. Yep. And Kiki Kote is fast. And solid. That's what we knew before rookie camp. Yeah. That's what we know now. So yeah, not much, not much news really. Which is probably a good thing. All yeah, I'll take it for right now. Uh, they're just ramping up. I mean, there's been a, there's been some pretty good Bill O'Brien interviews recently. One on uh, Good Morning Football, and then there was another one. I think on which everyone the golf classic. If you don't watch like Good Morning Football, record it and watch it. it. It's actually a really good show. It actually is a really good show. I, I sometimes I get a little. I don't know. Some of the hosts are okay, but uh, yeah, no, it was a great interview too. Um, but what's going on with this whole like Deshaun versus Jimmy G? Where, where did this Where did this come from? Who started this? Well, it's the off season, so everybody's kind of putting together their their quarterback rankings okay um like i honestly just before we i got out of the car i was listening to around the nfl how they were doing their their andy dalton line and most players or most um analysts are putting jimmy g ahead of watson like deshaun is was was watson under or uh, over the andy dalton line oh he's over he's over yeah but he's falling into this range of like 10 to 15 Jimmy Garofalo is falling closer to like between seven and ten, and somebody on on the Texans Reddit, I'm sorry, I forgot his username, brought up a thread. It's like, can we just settle this once and for all? And now, and pointed out that Watson actually outperformed Garofalo, but everybody's wanting to take Garofalo over Watson. But do you think a lot of that has to do with wins? No, I think it entirely has to do with his knees. Really? Yeah. You know, they has to do with the fact that Jimmy G won every game he started. No. In comparison to Deshaun being three and three. Oh, we would have gone if we if Deshaun didn't get hurt, we would have gone on a run. The three games we lost, we lost to the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle, New England in New England, and the Chiefs when they were just on fire. Like those are not wins that a rookie should be able to win. And we were very competitive with them, and we had talked about it after the Seahawks game. Before Watson got hurt, we really expected to win like the next eight games. Like that was not going to be an issue. We were be, we were going to be able to go on a nice run. 
Reddit username, by the way, was a visionary prod. Who's also a great follow on Instagram. He does, it's all Texans related, right. makes actually great hype videos and things like that. So shout out to visionary prod. Cause he is a good follow on Instagram. Just wanted to say that. Go ahead. But the only reason that I can actually think of that this is even an argument is because of Deshaun's knees. He did outperform Jim, Jimmy Garoppolo. And the wins would have came. Like, us losing was not on him at all. Where Jimmy Garoppolo played really, really well. Like, don't take this away from me, but I'm not... Watching even his tape and looking at his numbers, did they really win entirely because of him? Where we actually kind of got to see what the Texans were without Watson. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think it's a silly debate. I'll entertain it just because it's the offseason and there's nothing else going on. Uh, I think you're comparing a rookie to a guy who sat behind the greatest quarterback of all time for four years, and along with the greatest coaching mind in the history of the NFL. Uh, so he has just more experience and understanding of the NFL and pro systems and things like that that I think anybody would be stupid to say that they would take Deshaun Watson over Jimmy Garoppolo based on just what we've saw. Just because there's health and the wins and we're, you would basically be betting on six games of Deshaun in comparison to experience and what eight games total or something like that that he started that Jimmy G started. Um, not to, and I'm not trying to discredit Deshaun. I, I don't, honestly, I would take Deshaun, I, I guess, technically, because I'm a Texans fan and I believe in what he is. But from an out, so let me rephrase that. People would be stupid that aren't Texans fans that didn't watch every snap and fully understand the impact that Deshaun made in that six games. If they're just going based off of what they're hearing and stats, I think you have to go with Jimmy G because he won. And ultimately, what is the, I mean, what are you paid to do in this league? You're paid to win, right? So I think if from an outsider's perspective that isn't from Houston and didn't watch Deshaun play the way that we did, I can understand why they would pick Jimmy G. He's the prototypical quarterback. He's what you look for. He's what for. He's exactly what every team looks for. Pocket quarterback has some mobility, but not much. Can make all the throws and is extremely smart. That's. I mean, that's what the NFL wants. They don't want a mobile quarterback that can move the pocket and make plays with his legs. Because that's what that's the category that most NFL, I guess, fans and critics put Deshaun. That's the box they put Deshaun in. What they don't take into consideration is the fact that, yeah, Deshaun can move around and extend plays, but before he's thinking about making plays with his legs, he's actually looking downfield to try to make a play with his arm. So they're putting him in the RG3 box, and they're just saying there's no way this guy can sustain his play, while Jimmy G most likely will be able to sustain his play because of the way he plays football. Does that make sense? Yeah, I know. I I see where you're exactly where you're coming from. And, and I think that's it's the, the reason why. Well, yeah, it's the reason why everybody keeps trying to paint Watson with the the RG three exactly brush. I mean, we see it everywhere. He's supposed to be he's the athletic quarterback, he's the black quarterback with the mobile legs, and we've seen it before. And it's just it typically doesn't work, right? So there's no way Deshaun works. 
the same but time. But that's it's... not Deshaun isn't anywhere near RG three in so many different ways. First right. of all, he's smarter. Let's right. just let's well, just I be mean, outright honest. Let's just start from the beginning with RG three. RG because it's the athletic. Oh yeah. Um, right. Deshaun Watson is not the athlete that RG three is. Not at all. I mean, RG three was a pure athlete. Right. Track I mean, and field like athlete. Right. He could have. RG3 could have ran in the Olympics in the hurdles. Correct. Deshaun Watson is an amazing athlete. Of course, yeah. He's not running in the Olympics at the hurdles, no. even if he put his mind to it. Uh, I don't I don't know if that's some I don't know if that's fair to say. We don't know what he no, could do if he tried. If he tried to, but I mean there's a limit. He's just not as fast. Yeah, yeah, I guess maybe. Um he is competitive. I don't know, just doubting like that he couldn't do it to me. I'm like, oh, um, well, yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I, he seems like one of those guys, like, you telling me I can't do something? Like, okay, well, now, John, I'm training for six months, and you're going to see me hey. in the Olympics. Like, that's how he comes off to me. So if he's in the next Olympic Games. I don't know. For I'm Houston, I'm sorry. But, no, I agree with you. I get where you're going. Like, you're saying, like, and, and, and honestly, when RG3 came out, he was, like, the athlete. Like, he was the top-tier athlete. Like, like... Clowney was when he came out. That's exactly how RG3 was looked at. Uh, but he was dangerous. And he wasn't smart. And he wanted to use his legs more than anything. And it, 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 it's funny that automatically Deshaun's just put in that category. And, right. and, and if Deshaun didn't tear his ACL, would he be in that category? Probably not. But because he did, and RG3 had his injuries, and it's like it's so similar of a path in people's mind, that that's, that's the box they have to put him in. Is it wrong? Absolutely. I mean, ultimately, the, what the argument does come back to is would you trade Deshaun Watson for Jimmy Garoppolo? Oh, man, that's a tough one, dude. I don't know. I mean, based on what I believe, right, I believe, no, I wouldn't. But if... This if is your job on the line. And yeah. It, you're the general manager. I'm a risk taker, so I would I, absolutely not. I would keep Deshaun, and I would believe in the potential that he would bring over Jimmy G. Unfortunately, I, I would say that this league isn't very risky, and I would say that most teams probably would. I would think. I could be wrong. I think Jimmy G's a safer bet. Does that make sense? Yeah, actually, I do. I, I, I think that I, he's I, safer. I, I actually completely understand where you're coming you from. You want a that. top 15 quarterback right. for the next, you know, 11 years? You probably have that in Jimmy G. Do you want a top five quarterback over the next 11 years? Well, that's the potential that Deshaun has based on what we've seen. What's the score, John? <laughs> I just saw you look at your phone. I know you're looking at the score. I haven't pulled it up yet. <laughs> I'm trying to flip between my notes and score. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, so seriously. Yeah, yeah no, seriously. Y'all got to appreciate the fact that I'm in here instead of watching the game. John is a diehard to... Rockets fan, oh, guys. Man. Like, diehard. Like, he's he is a freaking Rockets homer. Me, on the other hand, I don't really care. You guys are going to lose to the Warriors, and it's not. It says nothing bad about the Rockets. The Golden State Warriors are just the best team ever put together. It's just, it's unfair for anybody to. Badmouth the Rockets. It's just, it's just the the hand that you guys were dealt. Anyways, I love that shirt. <laughs> yeah, I like that shirt too. The Clutch City shirt. Um, all right. All right. Anyways, sixty-four to fifty. Okay, but, so yeah, if you think about it, so like, let's if you want top fifteen quarterback play for eleven years, Jimmy G's a safe bet. If you want the potential of a top five quarterback over the next ten to eleven years, Deshaun Watson is your guy because he ha- he sh- he showed that potential. 
which are you willing to, which would you prefer? Can you win a Super Bowl with a top 15 quarterback? Well, we've seen it. It's happened. But how many times do you win it with a top five quarterback? Typically, quite a bit, except for Green Bay, because they just suck at putting people around Rodgers. Whatever. Does that make sense? Yeah. No. Would you say that's a fair comparison? I... I entirely agree with where you're coming from, and I'd also just put it from my perspective. The trade is: Would you trade somebody that's had two ACL repairs, each knee's been ACL repaired, versus Jimmy Garoppolo's ginormous contract? That's the other factor that you have to put in. No. Do you? I think so. Because you're going to pay him anyways, right? I mean, uh, I guess Watson there's a eventually. chance. I mean, I guess there's a chance that Deshaun doesn't get paid that. Like. Oh no, Watson's going to probably uh, make more one day. But I, I actually, I, so I have this theory, and I don't know why. I don't. I think he's going to be very Brady-like when it comes to money. I don't know why I think that. I don't know what it is that he's done that makes me feel that way. I feel like he would rather have. Like, I guess maybe it's the Jordan Palmer interview where he truly talks about like he wants to be in the best position and he wants to succeed and he wants to be surrounded by smart football player and coaches and and be in the right situation. I feel like to me, if that's true, I don't know. I just, I have this weird feeling and we're, we're far away from it. So we won't know for a while, but he just, I get that vibe that he'll be like Brady. He'll take 14 to 15. So I guess probably at that time, it'll be like 18 to 19, right? That's probably fair. That's probably what the top five quarterbacks will be in about four years when his contract's up. I could see that. I mean, he has stated over and over that he wants to win. Right, that's what that's I'm saying. What, that's what's more important to him. Well, and he wants to be the best. And he's going to get more money in endorsements. I mean... He's already got them. That's part of the reason why everybody expects J.J. Watt to take a pay cut in the next year or two is because he makes so much of his money currently from endorsements. He doesn't really need the contract. Right. The contract is just there to stroke his ego. It's cheddar on top. Right. I mean, he just wants to be like, see, I'm paid right. like one of the best. And then they're starting to realize... That they are, or I mean, maybe he'll realize, Watson will realize that he doesn't need that. He just wants to win. And that's not to take anything away from J.J. J.J. was booed on his draft day. Oh, and he reminds us of that. As he should. On draft day, he reminded us that. Yeah, as he should. That is, I didn't boo him, but I... I didn't boo him. I wasn't happy with the pick. I didn't know who he was, to tell you the truth, at the time. And one of my friends who was a Texans fan, one of the few friends I had that was a Texans friend in North Carolina, was just like, this is the dumbest pick ever. But, you know. Looking back, we were all wrong. Yes, it happens. Quite a bit. So, J.J. getting his contract, yeah, he probably... He deserved it. Yeah. Does he deserve it now? But we'll, we'll worry no, about that next year. Um, he'll probably negotiate it down now. Cause I would agree. I think that he has kind of reached the point, and I think you're right about Watson, where they're going to look around and go like, Let's let's just go try and win one. Yeah. But we'll so see. I mean, as far as the Jimmy G, I mean, where do you stand on the Jimmy G Deshaun debate? I mean, is it pretty much? Did I hit a nail on the head? Is that is that is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's almost impossible to come down on it without my heart. Because right, that's what I'm saying. It's hard, right? Right. And especially because we love them so much, we're automatically going to choose Deshaun. So that's why I tried to look at it from an outsider's perspective. I still stand by my original statement that I think Deshaun is going to be a quality quarterback even without the athleticism that he's demonstrated because of his ball handling and his quick release. 
And I don't think a lot of people put enough stock in his quick release, to be honest with you. Well, like his, even even like the the Greg Cosells of the world don't don't yeah. don't touch on it enough. Well, he's he's I and mean, his ability to read the play so quickly. I'll I'll use another. He's like Chris Paul with the misdirection on the passes. He doesn't necessarily throw the fastest pass, but he puts it where somebody can catch it. The defenders don't know where it's coming from. Yeah, he plays quarterback a lot like point guard in that regard, and it I I. I hate comparing him to Aaron Rodgers, but the only other quarterback that I've seen do it consistently like yeah. he does... As accurate. ...is Aaron Rodgers. But, I mean, Watson doesn't have Aaron Rodgers' arm talent. I mean, shit, if he did, dude, wouldn't need to run at all, ever. But that, him ha- he's That arm gonna, talent could get better, though. It could. But... So, for me to actually come down on one side of the argument, it, I've... I think it's because I've watched Watson more. I have more tape that I would go with him over Garoppolo. I've only watched some Garoppolo games. I watched a little bit more when I thought that we would potentially trade for him. And, I mean, he's good. He's got an extremely, extremely fast release. Um, But I don't know if he's really franchise-changing. He's going to probably, I could definitely see, he's gone from Bill Belichick to Kyle Shanahan. Dude should be able to succeed in those offenses. Like those, go from one of the smartest coaches all time to one of the best play callers that we've seen in the past 10 years. I mean, of course Garoppolo's going to look good. If we put Watson in that same situation, what would he look like? Oh, honestly, I don't know. That's scary. Like that's honestly just scary to even think about. Would Brady be playing? That's the conversation you have at that point. Yeah. So I don't. I, I know that's I'm just, crazy. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna go on the side of Watson just because I know more about him and I. So who would you? So you would pick Deshaun over Jimmy G? Yeah. Yeah. I would not make that trade. I understand the argument, but I wouldn't make the trade. I even understand the argument for Garoppolo, just basing it all around health, but I still would not make that trade. Yeah. No, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. That's crazy. I've never really thought about like Deshaun and uh, Belichick system. <laughs> it just as competitive as he is. Like I don't know. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I I don't know. Like I said, I don't even know where this came from. I guess people just need something to talk about. But it's funny to me that people that don't watch the film on both are are able to just make these bold statements. I don't know. I guess that's that's the era we live in, anyways. Everybody has their opinions and their voice now, but uh, whatever. I, I like oh, Jimmy G, though. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I think he has potential, but I don't think it's Deshaun's potential. This same point last year, before Watson had played a game, I don't know. I really don't know. I think I may have taken Garoppolo over Watson last year, but after really watching Watson in an NFL ops offense the sky really is the limit with that kid and it's scary it's actually scary because i hate because now we have hope well yeah we didn't really we didn't really talk about the uh undrafted free agents at all last week any thoughts on any of them do you like any of them yeah i to if i'm gonna be honest and keep it real which is all i can do i uh I haven't paid too much attention to the undrafted free agents. And the only reason for that is 
I just don't see any of them making the team. Uh, I, I just don't see a spot for, for honestly any of them. I know everybody loves that tight end out of, I think, uh, what, Georgia or Van Manlin. I forgot. Oh, Wyoming. Wyoming. Drew That's Van it. Yeah. Manin Lowell. I know they all like him. He's like a fullback slash tight end type, blocking tight end. With exactly the haircut that you'd expect a fullback to have. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, well, that defensive end or that edge rusher that you were saying from Georgia, Davin Bellman. Yeah, I, I guess. Uh, maybe a running back, just because, right? Like, if if anything, like that's like the only position I could see where there could be a push, and and the only reason for that is because, like we've stated multiple times, if they if they could move on from Lamar Miller and feel comfortable doing so, I think they will or would, and so if this guy comes in and plays plays well and they think that they can count on him and. Foreman is coming along in a way where they feel like they can trust him to stay healthy or be at, back to what he was, then maybe a running back. But other than that, I just don't see it. Wide receivers, I don't see. Um, I think that's a pretty competitive group now with Kiki. There's only one defensive end that we brought in, and I think we're actually going into the draft. That was probably the one area that we didn't address that I felt was weak, but I feel like with Dunn and Heath and Covington back, I think we'll be okay. So, and Watkins, I guess, who pretty much plays defensive end now. Um, honestly, I, I don't think there's any of them that can make it. This is your kind of thing, so you would probably know more than I would. Yeah, unfortunately this year there's not a Dylan Cole type. Like last year, I'm surprised we didn't get you know any props. For that, because we did call him from day one that that guy was going to be good. Who? Dylan Cole. Oh, yeah. There's nobody, unfortunately, with this group that really jumps out, which doesn't mean anything. There, You never know. Uh, nobody was excited about Arian Foster back in the day. No, not one I, person. You really never, never know. A um, little bit about a couple of the guys that I'm kind of familiar with. Um, Terry Swanson, he's... He was the understudy to Cream Hunt at Toledo, but he's actually faster. He's a little bit shorter, and he put up, I think, about 1,300 yards last year. So he people are actually a little bit excited about him, but he does have potential. Uh, Coyle is a big, big guy. He's an offensive tackle, Anthony Coyle. He's just he's somebody that's extremely raw. He's probably It wouldn't surprise me if he makes the practice squad. Then... Um, the uh, wide receiver out of uh, Limestone College. Why am I blanking on his name? It's pretty. It's pretty straightforward. Um, There's just nobody on here. Like if you look at the way we addressed address free agency and then the draft, yeah. it's just tough. Yeah, I mean, you look at the corners. It's just I unless somebody's lights out, it's gonna be very hard for a corner to make this team. Right, and I, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the two receivers, uh, Vincent Smith and. He's the one out of Limestall and Jester Wee. Is that how you, Wee? To me, what was what stood out about them is they were both a little bit taller. They both ran sub four fours. To me, what that's kind of standing out, and also with Sammy Coates, the type of receivers that we're bringing in, and Kiki Cote. It had 
it's beginning to make me think of what type of offense that we're going to see from Bill O'Brien. Um, I mean, I would say with the, I think with the offense, first of all, I think it's going to be pure speculation. I don't think anybody really knows. Mm-hmm. I do think that you hit it on the head though when before the podcast started when you mentioned that it'll be a lot of short intermediate passes, play action, long, and then the midfield is the mid throws are it's. I mean, we really only have DeAndre that can make those catches, like those sideline catches on corner routes and things like that. We don't really have wide receivers that can make those catches other than DeAndre. So that that mid game is going to be. I wouldn't say obsolete. I think you'll still see those from DeAndre, but other than that, I don't. I just don't see a lot of. It. I don't see how, to be honest with you. Right. And that could change. I guess we don't know what the roster will look like, but based on what I think the roster will look like, I just don't see it. I think it'll be a lot of the Patriots offense type, as far as like the short intermediate passes, the underneath routes, the out routes, like things like that. I think we'll see a lot of, and then I, th- I think we'll see a ton of Fuller downfield. I don't think it'll just be Fuller. I you think Kiki? Yeah. Well, it's even, just hard for rookie even, wide receivers to truly make an right, impact. Right. Even if Akins, if he makes an impact, which tight end rookies never do. But he's twenty six. But if you look at what Watson did really well last year, it's those short throws, the high percentage throws, and the deep ball. Yeah. And play action. Well, number one quarterback on play action throws. I know it. And he was. He sells it like it's no other dude. Yeah. I really mean, the cam- There was multiple camera angles, like during the games, that the camera would bite on the play action. And that's where my little theory that I think that we're not going to abandon the intermediate routes. I don't think we're going to abandon the 10 to 15 yard routes. I just don't think we're going to see as many of them. The only receiver that we have that will go for them will be Hopkins. Yeah. I think that it's going to be a lot of, like I jokingly compared it to the Rockets last year, where it was all layups and uh, layups and threes. Well, that's kind of what I'm somewhat imagining in the Bill O'Brien offense to be this year. Well, it'll be a lot of layups and threes with a lot more misdirections. Like, all the guys, all the receivers that this regime has br- have brought in, other than Ellington, whom they signed off the street, have been faster gadget-type players that also catch deep balls. Um, Kiki Cote was one of the best receivers in NCAA at catching the deep ball. Akins was one of the best tight ends at catching the deep ball. Sammy Coates, that's, that's what, what he does. used to do. Yeah. Um, till he broke his hand, if he gets back to that form. And then, same thing with Coates with the end of rounds. Could Coates yeah. with the end of rounds. Coates quick. And those bubble those bubble screens and those mis, just misdirection type plays. I think Irvin will play a part in a lot of those too. He'll probably get, I wouldn't surprise I, me one bit if he's moved to receiver. That's what I'm saying. I, I, I wouldn't say a full move, but I would, I would definitely, I wouldn't be surprised if you see a lot of the bubble screens with Irvin. He's just too shifty and fast to not get the ball in his hand. Like, as fast as Fuller is, uh, I would say Urban's that much more shiftier, if that makes sense. Granted, when I was But we of... also haven't seen enough of Urban to know if that's the case, so it's, it's going to be weird. I'm really actually more... Uh, I'm curious to know what the running game's going to look like. I have no idea. That's what I'm saying. I don't either. I know yeah. we can't keep jamming Lamar in the in the middle of the... Like, uh, I mean, it gets draw plays and things like that, but just... I don't know. It's going to well, be interesting. I, what I, I don't understand about Lamar Miller is he had... One of the best catch percentages of all running backs in it in the NFL last year. He had one of the lowest dropped pass percentages over the past two years. But didn't he only catch like 13 passes or something like that? But yeah, we throw a real low yeah. amount, and we don't run many routes with him out of the backfield. No. Is he just not capable? Like, I don't... 
That's the one. Know. That's the one know. thing that I don't get about Lamar Miller. When you look at that and you just look at the numbers, you would think that we'd have used him more in the passing game than we did. You would think that would better play to his strengths. And part of me thinks that's why Bill O'Brien just runs him up the middle, because he's trying to. That this is all speculation and honestly bullshit, but it's Bill O'Brien taking his aggression out on him because he can't run a route correctly. Maybe because he can't if if he can catch anything that's thrown to him. He did it in Miami. Then why are we not using him? That I don't know. I I just that I hope somebody out there. I don't think Bill O'Brien wants to use him. Is I think what it is. Yeah. I I don't know why doesn't he run Lamar Miller outside where he's better? I like that's a like that's a legit question. Why don't we use him on stretches and tosses and encounters? I Why don't, don't we run those plays at all? That that's what I'm saying. I don't know, but we're gonna just run him up the middle on is a that on a dive. Somebody that knows more about football than me. Is that an offensive line thing? Is that? I mean, the offensive line has been garbage. Maybe I guess, but if I would think that if the offensive line is garbage, you would avoid the dives. Right. I would think that you would actually prefer to swing it outside. Oh. But I'm also not an offensive line guru, so I could be wrong. That may be harder for them to be able to pull out and block. I, I I don't know. But, like, we have a fullback that's supposed to be the lead block on, like, a toss or a counter. Why, are we, why aren't we using Prosh in those situations? Because that's, I mean, that's what they're, like, that, that's a fullback. On a toss play, a fullback basically clears that lane open to where you're able to get to that next level. So, I mean, you, you learn that play in Madden. So, I, I don't know... I feel like Prosh at this point is just taking up a roster spot, to be honest with you. It's almost like they decided, well, I guess we need to have a And we signed him. We signed him last year to yeah. a longer deal. Not expensive. It's not like we can't cut him, but I don't really see a point. Unless you're going to line him up at tight end, which we haven't done, so something tells me that's not going to happen. So, Well, he's, he is a great blocker. He is. He is a great blocker. So maybe we that's just, why we, we haven't... We just don't use him. Maybe that's why we haven't really looked into a blocking tight end. Maybe that's the plan. Maybe they're looking to put Prasha tight end during blocking sequences. That's the only thing I can think of. Because we've had a fullback on our roster every year. And the league has gone away from fullbacks in general. So what is it about having a fullback that we're going to use? I don't know. But we're not using them on those plays that we should be. So I think the running I think the running game is going to be... Uh, that'll be the most... That's what I'm most curious about. Yeah, what will that have- look like? I have absolutely no idea how we're going to use it. I don't either. It's I keep expecting it to be the Vereen and Ridley, um, the two-back system that Bill O'Brien ran to a perfect T out of New England. Yep. And he also ran the two-tight end system. And I we've do done think... nothing like that. The things that he was really, really good at New England, we have not attempted to do. Now, granted, the offense he came up last year was a stroke of genius. Like, that's Bill O'Brien got my complete faith for being able to take all the concepts from Clemson and other college teams and letting Watson do his thing. Sure. But the rotations and the disguises that O'Brien was able to use, knowing the pacing of when to use Ridley versus when to use Vereen, he, those are the things that I was super excited when we signed Bill O'Brien to be our coach. And I just, you don't see it at all. Do you think that that two tight end thing, so let me just ask you this. 
Do you think there's a chance that Aikens and Anderson and Griffin are the three tight ends? I have no idea. Uh, no, chance. Don't. Do you think there's a chance? Um, or do you think Thomas is pretty much a lock? Because he's a six-round pick. I don't feel like that's a lock. No, but... The reason why I, I don't, ask... I honestly don't know what we're going to do. Because here's the thing about Anderson. Unless he learned how to block over the summer, or over this coming summer, he's just the big wide receiver. Yeah. Aikens is just a bigger, quicker wide receiver. Now, he doesn't have as good as hands as Anderson, but he has pretty good hands. Yeah. So, to do the things that O'Brien did with his tight ends in New England... Hernandez we, wasn't a good blocker, though. No, but Hernandez could also be used as a um, as a, as a halfback, as an H-back. Yeah. Um, he was a really good runner. It so, wasn't often, though. Right. But that's what but, I'm saying. They when In the two tight end sets... Aaron Hernandez is not known for being a blocker. No, he was not. But he would, in the two tight end sets that they, he would, they could split him out from running back or fullback. Right. Um, split him out to a receiver, and use his athleticism. Now, Griffith is the same. Is a similar sort of player to Hernandez. He's not nearly the athlete. Right. But he can do a lot of those things. But he doesn't do anything as a fullback or an H back. Right. Ever. Like, I think we saw it three times and I, last year, and I was like, okay, this will be cool to watch. And then he just stood back there in pass protection, which is fine, and that's part of it, but you have to do more than just pass protection occasionally to actually make that work. No, I, I get that. I, I think what I'm trying to say is, like, I mean, I watched a ton of Patriots during that time, too. I mean, I know Hernandez would line up at fullback or halfback at times, but that was really a rarity. When they ran two tight end sets, they a lot of it would be, just opposite sides. One would be a streak, one would be an out route. Like there was a lot of that going on in New England at that time. Was, what I'm wondering is, is that something that he's trying to do with Steven Anderson and maybe Akins or Steven Anderson and Griffin to where they have two pass catching tight ends on the field? Because Steven well, Anderson did then, show playmaking ability. Right, but even back then it wasn't so much to me the thing that wasn't ever impressive was the routes that they ran. Because they were actually pretty simplistic. It's how they consistently disguised them with the two. And that's what I'm talking about when they would swing them out to, to H-back. Lots of times he'd go out there and then he'd go into motion. And he'd end up just being out um, on the line like a regular tight end. But there would, be that mo- there would be that movement. But do you really think that that motion fools much people? Like, yeah, actually it does. When I don't think anymore it would. You've seen it too much over the years. It shows it because they did it just enough to keep people honest. They would use Hernandez in the backfield just enough to keep him honest. He would do more than just pass protecting. Yeah, you were saying that it was rarity, but it was every game that they would, he would do it something. It wasn't every other game. It was every game he would do something as a halfback. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think that, that just because that happened in New England, that has to be the way that it's it, it's formatted for the two tight ends to work, no, I guess is what I'm, I'm trying to say. And I'm not, I'm not saying to copy it exactly like New England. But seeing that, that sort of those sort of mind games that Bill O'Brien used to pull. Yeah. Whereas now we. How much of that was Bill O'Brien though, and how much of that was Belichick? My understanding, um, just from the interviews and such around it, and the quotes around from Belichick, that was O'Brien. Now a lot of it had something to do with Josh McDaniels. So there you go. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, like, how much of it was all Bill O'Brien? I guess is my thought. Like, especially in that organization like seems like a pretty collaborative effort when it comes to a lot of what they do yeah i mean i don't know 
you just we just don't see it here is what I'm saying. We don't yeah. see that sort of motion. We don't see that sort of disguise. We saw a little bit more of it this year with Watson, but it was in a completely different way. Yeah. And we just haven't, and I, even the rotations, just knowing when to rotate and use certain players. Yeah, I, I agree. And I'm not saying that it wouldn't work. All I'm saying is I, I just, I feel like you can still have a really successful two tight end set without having to do that. Like if you look yeah. at what Ertz and Burton did like last year. Yeah, it would, it's going to be different from what you saw in New England. Yeah, and I think that's fine because I think with the type of tight ends we have, I think it's pretty interesting to see what what they could end up being. Like if you have two playmakers at tight end that can, first of all, get open, but secondly make plays after, like Aikens and Anderson can. Anderson showed that he could do that last year. Mm-hmm. And then Aikens could do the same thing. I think we're looking at a different dynamic from what we've seen from our tight ends. Like everybody's caught up on the Y tight end and the Z or whatever the whatever it was that he used. I think U, Y, and something – like maybe that's not a concern for him. Maybe that's not what he's thinking. Like maybe he's thinking if we can have these playmakers on the field along with Fuller, Hopkins, and Ellington, this could be dangerous. Well, I hope so. Like that's <laughs> yeah. what I that's what I'm thinking. Like I mean, when we're talking about a revamped offense, that's kind of my thought as far as where I think it could go. Um. But yeah, we'll see. I mean, it. it I don't think. Like I said, nobody has any idea. Not the general, not uh, Pat, not not anybody has an idea on what this offense is going to look like. For all we know, it could be lip service, and it could look identical to what we saw last year. Uh, so only time will tell. You guys are up 10. You starting to worry? Always. <laughs> Always. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. Well, anything else going on? No, I saw Avengers. Did you see Avengers? Yeah, Avengers was pretty good. How good was it? It was pretty good. Was it the best uh, non-DC superhero movie? Um, I think when you take the whole Marvel Universe and how it all kind of fits into that, which is, I think it's one of the more amazing things that have been done on film, especially for like popcorn, pop culture movies. Like this is an art house. This isn't like blow your mind, anything like that. But as just pure entertainment and how they've all come together the way they have, dude, it's really good. What did you think of the first five minutes? The first five minutes? Yeah. Um, I don't know how much I can talk about it without spoiling it. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. I just, what did you think of the first five minutes? Like, were you just like, oh, oh, yeah. oh. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it was like, it was like that... multiple, oh, oh, oh. Did that really happen? Yeah. So funny story. I don't even know if I could if I could tell this. Robin might get mad, but so we saw it opening weekend, and then I took my oldest, sixteen year old Nate, to go see it this last Sunday. Let me tell you about this experience we had at Flick's Brew House. So we go. It's Sunday night at eight forty five. There's about fifteen people in the movie theater. We're sitting on the. Cl- I'm sitting closest to the aisle, and then Nate's next to me in that seat. And then a couple of about, I don't know, let's say they're probably about 34, 35, walk in right before the movie starts, and they're about two seats next to Nate. So at this place, they serve alcohol. It's movie tavern in Houston or Alamo Draft House. Same concept. Uh, better food, I think. But anyways, about 45 minutes into the movie, I look over to the right, and all of a sudden, all I mean, all I see is this dude's hand, and I, I don't know how to describe this, so maybe you can, is just doing this. 
elbow fully out, and it's like he's sawing. Just imagine me sawing right now a piece of wood. Okay? So that's what... I, I, so I look over, I'm like, okay, first of all, this guy's not very experienced because I don't think he's doing very much the way he's using his hand. Uh, secondly, what the fuck is he doing? Like, what is he doing? So I'm like, holy shit, I cannot believe this. They're doing this right next to me and my 16-year-old son. So I, I give it a minute, and I'm like, maybe this will maybe this will end. Maybe he is a master, and I don't know what I'm doing, and he's doing it in a better fashion. So then, all of a sudden, I hear this big... She props both her legs on top of the table. This dude gets on his knees and decides that he's having something else to eat that's not on the menu. And I'm like... Are you freaking kidding me? So this dude's going to town. All while my son is sitting right here. Like, no joke. In comparison to where we're sitting right now. Eight feet away. That's what happens. I'm... Wow. Yeah. Yeah. This is what Tinder has done. This is how Tinder dates happen. When you live at your mom's house, you have to get it somewhere. So wow. you do it at the Avengers. So yeah, pretty interesting. Yeah, people, please don't do that. Weird, right? That, that was that's weird. Really weird. Really like okay, nineteen twenty. Okay, I, you thirty. You get a pass, right? Because you're that young. Hormones, like all that. Thirties? No, no pass given. You're the donkey of the day. Yeah. Okay. That that's a good way to end it. Yeah, donkey of the day. All right, uh, nothing else. I think we should start doing breakdowns of position groups. What do you think? Yeah, we probably should do that, and we still need to go over all the other NFC Souths um, offseason. Oh, that'd be good. So we can do that. And then when are we going to talk about this patron thing? Because you you don't talk to me anymore, so except for when I show up, so... Yeah, man, dude, work's been crazy. I get it, but Saturday and Sundays are here, but that's fine. Either way, go ahead. My parents weren't. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Uh, uh, we'll we'll get it. We'll get it. We set need up to get it set up soon. Very very shortly. Um, again, we think that one of the things we're going to try and do is the fantasy draft or the fantasy league. Uh, yeah, fantasy league. I want to do a destination draft now. A destination draft. A destination draft. All right. <laughs> what? Where, where do you want to go for Vegas? Di- oh man, just Sunday. Just a, like a Saturday or a Sunday. We, nobody needs hotels. We fly in that morning, hang out, go to a sports book, do our draft, have some fun, get to know everybody. I mean, a flight to Vegas is like $180 round trip. And in Houston, I think it's cheaper because it's such a bigger airport. We'll talk. We'll it's just talk. a thought. It's just a thought. I mean, it's, it's just it a sounds thought. amazing, but maybe not for year one. We'll do a dynasty. All right, league. all right, all right. And if it, uh, can we still go to Vegas this year to watch a game? Oh, I hope so. Okay, right. I hope so. I mean, I, I mean, anybody, I can, I can, I can, yeah. I can, I can use my points. Hey, to get I you have there. no problem with anybody that wants to go with us going to Vegas. We'll go to Vegas for something. That would be live. But this year, hit us up on Twitter if you the, want to go to Vegas for the draft. Fantasy draft, maybe not this year. Okay, maybe hit, next year. Hit hit John up on Twitter at hb or h o u f b pod. Yeah, because right, right. I forgot you totally changed it. H o h o u f b pod. Same on Instagram because I changed it. 
you can message me on Instagram, but if you would go to Vegas for a destination draft this year, tell John we're doing it this year. And I guarantee you if we get eight people that say they would do it, I know John would do it. And it's Houston FB Pod. See, I knew it. Houston FB Pod. Houston FB Pod. This isn't that hard. It is when you change it, though. <laughs> like, it's hard for me to remember. Uh, Houston FB Pod on Twitter. And you can hit me up at Young Ari Gold on Twitter. But same with Instagram. Slide in my DMs. Let me know what your thoughts are. Yeah. Anything else, John? Nope. That's it. Okay. We'll go discuss Rockets. the patron. Uh, yeah. Go Rockets. Um, yay. All right. Uh, Young Ari Gold signing out for. Texans Unfiltered. Check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Store. We're definitely behind and backwards now the way we did things. We'll talk to you guys next week. When they had our backs up against the wall and said that we couldn't stand the pressure, we still got it done, man. When they said the clock was winding down and it wasn't enough time to get it done, we still got it done, man. Now it's our time to shine, it's our time to keep it 100, so we gon' go out here and show them how true we are.